message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron Bietti. Good job, guys. Good job. What a good-looking crowd. Hey, we're growing in more ways than one, aren't we? You see how the babies are decked out? They're dressed better than us. whole lot better, but we come as we are, right? Isn't that the way we advertise our church? Come as you are. That movie that we're going, we only have 300 tickets. But I'm telling you, I was raised in that era. That's a true story of Chuck Smith and Lonnie Frisbee. And I think something like that is about ready to happen maybe in our world again today, if we do it right. So once these 300 tickets are gone, 350, they're gone. And so join me. I, I, in fact, I want to tell them, save me some tickets, guys. Save me and my wife some tickets. We were raised in that era. We, we lived that whole thing you're going to see. And so it's really, really cool. So if you want that, you're, you're at the first service. You have the advantage over the second. And uh, with that in mind, let's pray. Father God, today, anoint what I'm going to say and use me and flow through me and speak to the people. And I believe you to do that, and I thank you ahead of time. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. amen. I want to thank all of you people out there watching on the internet. We appreciate you, and we love you. We love the people on our Tatchby campus and our uh, South, Northwest campus and, and Vegas and, and Thousand Oaks. I know Thousand Oaks people are listening. We love all you guys. And so today I'm going to talk about not just the power of your words, the dynamic power of your words. Now, maybe I should have called this communication because our communication is more than just words. Do you watch people when they talk like me right now? Do you see what I'm doing with my hands? You see them moving? Have you ever noticed that before? You will now. When people talk, they talk with their hands. And now that's in my mind. What if I just came out like this? Uh, a study on TED Talks found that the most popular viral speakers used an average of 465 hand gestures, which is almost twice as much as the least popular speakers used. Hands are a part of our language. I mean, what, what do I mean when I go like this? What am I meaning? Stop, stay back. What about this? Okay, you're doing good. Uh, what about this? It's okay. Uh, what about this here? And, and this here? When I go to Vegas, I have this lady, every week she does this right. Pastor Ron! Uh, what about this? Yeah. What about this? Mental case. What about this? Uh, what about this? <laughs> Stick up. Uh, 
I want to read something to you I thought was very interesting. A story about a young man who received an email from his grandma. And she had just got out of a morning Bible study. She was 88 years old and still driving. She got out of her Bible study. She dropped by the Christian Bible bookstore. And she saw a bumper sticker that saw, said, Honk, if you love Jesus. She said, man, I bought it, and I put it on my bumper. Boy, I'm so glad I did. Said the story that followed was so cool. She said, I stopped at a red light at a busy intersection and got lost in, in my thoughts thinking about how good God was, and I didn't notice the light turn red. It's a good thing that someone else loved Jesus because if he hadn't honked, I would have never noticed. <laughs> then he leaned out of his window and yelled, for the love of God, go, go, go. I thought, what an exuberant cheerleader for Jesus. <laughs> Everyone started honking. I just leaned out of my window and started waving and smiling at all these loving people. I even honked my horn a few times to share the love. I saw a guy waving in a funny way. He only had his middle finger stuck up in the air. And I asked Uncle George in the back seat, what that meant, and he said, probably a Hawaiian good luck sign or something like that. So I leaned out the window and gave him the good luck sign back. George in the back seat burst out laughing. Why, even he was enjoying this religious experience. A couple of the people were so caught up in the joy of the moment that they got out of their cars and started walking towards me. I bet they wanted to pray with me or ask me what church I went to. I noticed that the life changed, so I waved at all my brothers and sisters grinning and drove through the intersection. I noticed that I was the only car that got through the intersection before the light changed, and I felt kind of sad that I had to leave them after all this love we shared, so I slowed down the car, leaned out the window, and gave them all the white good luck sign one last time as I drove away. <laughs> Praise the Lord that he showed me about that bumper sticker, love grandma. <laughs> Uh, Joel Osteen, I was listening to him one day, and he said, he would ask this guy at church all the time, say, how are you doing? And he would always answer the same way. He said, I'm just getting old, fat, and bald. He said, I didn't see this guy for about 10 years, and I saw him, and you know what? Guess what? He was getting older, fatter, and balder. I mean, he, he was doing it. Now, I'm going to talk about the power of the tongue today. That's going to be my subject today and possibly Another week or two, I don't know. I mean, this is a very important message. I want you to act like you've never heard it before. Uh, I'm gonna to talk to you about the power of the tongue, both in the positive way and a negative way. Now, I'm not sure that many people understand just how powerful this tongue is. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm letting you listen in. I'm talking to me. I'm impulsive. I, I, I have been battling this thing for decades, and I'm going to continue to battle. And I'm going to say some things today that are, they're going to change your life if you'll grasp them. Let's look first of all at James. I'm going to use a lot of scripture today. I might be more practical next week. But look at James chapter 3, verse 1. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such, we will incur a stricter judgment. Why? Because we talk a lot. Now, we, we talk to make a living. Now, 
When you talk a lot, you're bound to say a lot of wrong things. Every once in a while, I will say something up here, and I will go home going, why did you say that? It was the caffeine. Uh, I'll go home, and I know I, I pronounce things differently than some other people, but I followed Chuck Smith my first 10 years that I was saved. And if he said Mordecai, I say Mordecai instead of Mordecai. Whatever Chuck Smith pronounced, I, that's usually what I do. What I'm doing is I'm throwing him under the bus, blaming him, right? So I'm telling you, the tongue is a continual challenge. Now, why would anybody want to do what I do? I'm going to get judged stricter than you. You don't want this. I didn't choose this. I simply obeyed. God told me I was going to do this. So I have to pray for a lot more grace, a lot more grace. Uh, Look at verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. Did you hear that? How many of us stumble in many ways? No self-righteous person in here today. We're all a bunch of sinners saved by God's grace. We're all on the same journey. Now, show me a person who has their tongue under cross. for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. So, show me a person who has their tongue under control, and I'll show you someone who has arrived. They're fully grown. They're mature. They're complete. They're perfect. I said it two weeks ago, and I'll say it again. As far as I know, there's only been one perfect person that ever walked on this earth, and his name was Jesus. Moses fell, David fell, Samson fell, Noah fell, Jonah failed, Peter failed, but at some point in time, they got their act together, and they got back right with God. Look at verse 3. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they'll obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Is it amazing that a 98-pound jockey can get on a 2,200-pound horse and direct its movement? All because of a little metal bit in its mouth. Unbelievable. Look at verse 4. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds... They're still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. You know how little the rudder is on a big ship? Yet it keeps that ship right on target and keeps it going to where it's supposed to go. Look at verse 5. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire? Do you remember the Mendocino complex fire? in 2018. It was a bunch of smaller fires, but it burned for over three months, and it burned over, 40, over 459,000 acres and 280 buildings. It was one of the most massive fires we've ever experienced. You know how it started? Somebody was pounding a stake in the ground with a metal stake with a hammer, and a spark flew off of that and started that fire. Wow, wow, wow. Look at verse 6 through 9. And the tongue is a fire. 
The very world of iniquity, the tongue is set among our members is that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. Who, who, can, tongue, t- t- who, who can tame the tongue? No one. I'm going to come back to that in the end. It's a restless evil, and it is full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Now, this tells the negative side of the tongue. There's also positive sides of the tongue. I want to give both equal time. Look at Proverbs 12, 18. There's one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I was thinking of the story of the lady caught in adultery. Her life was all over at that moment. These men caught her. She's probably half-dressed, humiliated, embarrassed. They drug her before the crowd, and they were going to stone her. Do, Do you realize what kind of death that would be, being stoned? Her life was over, and Jesus saved her. He saved her, but you know what? If he would have used six other words, let's say he would have said, do what you want with her, and just do this. Do you know what would have happened? They would have killed her. Her family would have grieved. Her grandparents would have grieved. But with three paragraphs, he spoke grace. And he restored her dignity and saved her life. With she, three short paragraphs. Same with the woman at the well. What did Jesus do? Four words not only changed her life, but a whole nation. He said, give me a drink. He started a conversation. Oh, I've got so much more to say today. Don't be a verbal arsonist. But instead, use that tongue for healing. The tongue has the power to heal. My brother, Glenn Brown, when he prayed for me, I had cancer, man. He called every demon out. He told the cancer to die. He pushed me around, man. He prayed hard over me. And that cancer went into remission, has never been out since. He used his mouth. He prayed the right things. He prayed the word. Some of you today have the power to bring spiritual and emotional healing into other people's lives today with just a few words. You have this power. I forgive you. Give me a hug. I love you. I'm sorry for what I've done. Ha! I want to give you $10,000. Will that change your life? Do you understand? Oh, I got so much to say. The New Testament church was known for what? It's spirit of boldness. Baptizing the Spirit said they were, had a spirit of boldness. Oh, we need to get that back again today. It's time for the church to stop being overly bashful. I saw again the news feed the other day. A little girl wore a mask to a school back east somewhere. And it says, Jesus loves me. And they told her to remove it. We got this stuff popping up news feed all the time. As Christians, we need to stand up and get a spiritual backbone. 
and say, I'm not taking it off, and my daughter's not going to take it off. Because all the other kids had writing on their masks. They all had writing. Why can't she have hers? It's time for the church to wake up. That's a whole different sermon. It's a time for us to get bold. It's time for us to come out of the closet. Some of you closet Christians need to come out and proclaim boldly, I'm a child of the living God. I'm the salt of the earth. I'm the light of the world. I speak a different language than what you speak. Now, I mean, I was telling the guys the other day, did you know if we're bold, and you don't have to be bold and rude. I'm not talking about rudeness. Some people, when they're bold, they're flat rude. And you don't even like to be around them. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about boldness and love. You could change someone's life at work if you had the boldness to say maybe eight words. Say, have you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Now, they could respond to that in many different ways. They'd go, what? Or they'd go, I, I don't know what you mean. Could you explain that to me? I'd love it. Just take what I preached the last three weeks. You need a Savior. He goes around saving people. Do you need a Savior? I mean, whoa, eight words could change their life, their kid's life, their, 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 their grandchildren's life. I said yes to ministry. Changed my whole family's life. Now Pastor Jim's in the ministry. My grandkids are all ministering. On and on and on. See, our words can change, not only in our lives, but everyone's. We have a responsibility. This can be used for healing, or it can be used for nasty, ugly, sinful things. The Bible talks more about the sins of the tongue than it does the lust of the flesh and immorality. Sometimes we think God created this body, and, and then the devil threw some sexual organs on or something, you know. Hey, it was all made by God, and God made our mouth, and he made it be, to be used for his glory. Now, think about the power of words. I'm going to use a lot of scripture at you today. I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. <laughs> Debbie, will you marry me? Those were some good words that I said at one point in time. No, wait a minute. I think she said that to me. No, I, I think I said it to her. Now I'm eating the fruit of that. Uh, 1 Peter 3 and 9. Don't return evil for evil or insult for insult, but instead give a blessing. For you were called to give blessings. You were called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Whatever you give out, you get back. Amen. Don't play that game. Don't insult those who insult you. Give a blessing instead. Is that radical or what? Wow. Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Now, I wanted to give you several biblical truths about the tongue and the words that come out of your mouth today, but I'll probably only get to two. And again, I know I'm redundant. This is going to change your way of thinking. If you really get what I'm saying today, this has the potential to bless you abundantly. The first PowerPoint I want you to look at. The words you speak and say to yourself 
can change your life. The words you say to yourself. Now, I want to show you we all talk to ourselves. Look at Matthew 9, 20, 21. This lady has a, has a problem. It says, a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she was saying to what? Who was she saying it to? Who was she saying it to? To herself. If I only touch his garment, I will get well. Look at Luke 12, 18. Then he said, this is what I will do. Okay, then he said, who's he talking to? Who's he talking to? This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns, build larger ones, and there I will store my grain and goods. He was talking to himself. Matthew 1, 19. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. He had a conversation going within himself. Look at Luke 15, 17 through 19. But when he came to his senses, he said to himself, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here of hunger? I will get up and go to my father and say to him, and it goes on. I, I won't finish that text. He's talking to himself. I want you to get the idea. One more verse, Matthew 9 and 3. And some of the scribes said to themselves, this fellow blasph blasphemes. Now, I think you're going to get the idea. I think you got it. We, we all talk to ourselves. Now, I've said a lot to you lately about what we think has the power to change the DNA in the cells in our body, what we think about, what we think about has the power to change the DNA in our bodies. Uh, and I've referred to a book called The Biology of Belief quite a bit lately. But let me take it a step further this morning. I read an article this week that according to some neurosurgeons, the speech center in the brain has total dominion over the nerves of the body. For example, if a person says to themselves, I cannot do this, I'm a loser, I can't take this anymore, right away the nerves receive the message from the central nervous system saying I'm weak, I'm incapable, I'm exhausted. And the body begins to readjust itself to what it has heard. You get that? Hmm. What you're saying to yourself, I'm weak, I'm pathetic, I'm incapable. The central, central brain centers here send that to your nerves. Your body begins to readjust itself to what it's hearing. And now you're going to be weak and you're going to be incapable to, to a certain degree. I was thinking the other day about the special forces in the military, the Green Berets and Navy SEALs. I've seen a lot of scrappy, tough, in-shape young men in this body go to join the special forces in the military. And, and most all of them are rejected at some point in time. I think in one instance I knew of, like 50 guys went and like 12 passed. It's tough. And I thought, wow, these guys were scrappy. They were tough, man. Ah, why didn't they make it? And then it dawned on me as I was looking at this study for today. It's all about mental toughness. It's not about physical toughness. What you're saying to yourself and your mind affects the skills of the body. And I believe there's certain young men that says, I can do this. I will do this. There's no backing down. I'm not looking over my shoulder. They're mentally tough because primarily what they're saying to themselves. Now, does this, does this, does this 
in, does this line up with the Bible? Look at Mark 11, 22, 23. Bet you never noticed this. Listen. And Jesus answers saying to them, have faith in God. He didn't say have faith in everybody else and what the doctor is saying, the attorney is saying. Have faith in God. Let them be your mentors, obviously. Let them be your helpers. But truly I say to you, whoever says this mountain, be taken up and cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen. He believes in what he's saying is going to happen. He believes in his words. Then it will be granted to him. Now, I don't want to be redundant, but sometimes I have to let it be to you according to your faith. Your faith, your believing system is what has made you well. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, I'm not trying to teach you mind over matter. I'm not trying to tell you that you can think yourself into success, that you can think yourself into healing. I don't like that garbage. I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm not a blab it, grab it guy. I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying, when your word matches up with the words of God, and when your will is smack dab in line with God's will, sometimes you'll benefit from vocalizing that, from vocalizing that and put it out there. God created this world and the universe with what? Words. He spoke it into creation. I want to show you how this works in a very, very familiar passage of Scripture with David and Goliath. 1 Samuel 17, 41 through 46. Then the Philistine came on and approached David with a shield bear in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, and ruddy, but he did have a handsome appearance. And the Philistines said to David, now the Philistines said, he, he's leading the, the, the dance here. Am I a dog? You gonna come with me at sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. He cursed, put a curse on him. Hmm. The Philistines also said to David, come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. But then it's David's turn. David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I come to you in the name of the God of the armies of Israel whom you have taunted. This day, today, the Lord will deliver you up into my hands. I will strike you down, I will remove your head from you, and I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, so that all the earth will know there is a God in Israel. Do you see what I'm preaching today? He said, I'll tell you beforehand, here's what's coming down, baby. You're dead meat. You messed with the wrong guy. I might be little, but I got a big God standing behind me. Does this jazz you like it does me? Get you excited? Wow, wow. Keep it coming. I think, I think I'm just going to keep doing this. I'm getting excited. Yes, thank you. David was creating a victory with the words coming out of his mouth. 
He was vocalizing God's will in this particular situation. Again, I'm not talking about being stupid. See, here's the deal. I got a whole sermon on prayer, and you say, prayer? You haven't heard a sermon that I'm going to preach on prayer before. Prayer is not like a genie in the bottle to be used by everybody. Prayer are for people who are Christians who are walking with God. They will have results. Everybody else can pray like there's no tomorrow, and they won't have results. Prayer is not getting things from God. It's communicating with God to see what He wants to do and then getting in line with that. Settle down, Ron. Save that for your next sermon. David, he was vocalizing God's will in this situation, and his body was reacting to it. He was setting the climate for victory. He was filled with faith. He had been with God. He knew what God's will was. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I'll say it again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I'll say it. Death and life are? Death and life is what? Did he overemphasize this? Or is he trying to say something to us that we need to hear? Romans 4, 17 through 22, as it is written, a father of many nations, I have made you in the presence of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. In hope against hope, he believed, so that he might become a father of many nations, according to what he, what, which, according, come on, Ron, settle down, come on, baby, you got some time. I'll start over. In hope against hope, he believed, so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet, say with me, yet. With respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able to perform it. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. What does righteousness mean? It means the right way to live. He's saying to us here, the right way to live is to believe what God is saying over and above what anybody else is saying. That's the right way to live. Our goal should be to start learning the Word of God, speaking it to ourselves, even vocalizing it in prayer until it becomes a part of who we are. Our goal, I'm not there yet, neither, but our goal should be to never say I can't. Because the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've got to teach myself to never say it's impossible because the Word tells me with God all things are possible. I've got to stop saying I give up. I don't have a right to give up until God gives up. I don't know what to do. Well, you know how to pray, don't you? So you do know what to do. So stop saying you don't know what to do. You do know what to do. Pray. Look at Romans 12, 2 in the New Living Translation. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and it's pleasing and it's perfect. Stop confessing lack. 
but instead confess Philippians 4.19. Stop confessing fear, confess 2 Timothy 1 and 7. Stop confessing weakness, confess Psalms 27.1. Don't confess I'm a victim. Some of you, you're not a victim. Well, you know, my, my husband left me, man, and all these kids, and man, you know, you're not a victim. No one in this room is a victim as long as God is on your side. Right now, I rebuke that spirit of victim. I rebuke it. And God bless your heart, you little whiners, just shut up. <laughs> Did you know the children of Israel in the promised land, they died because they were grumbling, and you felt like saying, shut up! God has a plan for your life, and you're going to mess it up with your tongue. You're going to mess it up by the things you say. Verily, verily, saith the Lord, shut up! My doctor got me well. I down at Cedar Sinai, and I said, well, referring to my leukemia, and I said, well, you know my cancer. He said, Ron, stop saying my cancer. It's not your cancer anymore. God used him to speak to me. And so, we've got to learn. We're not a victim. I want to read a verse. Isaiah 54, 17, the message. But no weapon that can hurt you has ever been forged. He's talking to God's kids. Now, this is not for everybody. God's kids. Any accuser who takes you to court will be dismissed as a liar. This is what God's servants can expect. I'll see to it that everything works out for the best, God's decree. Learn the word of God and it'll change your life. Another scripture passage, Matthew 12, 34 through 37. You brood of vipers, how can you be an evil speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good. The evil man brings out of the evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they will give an accounting for it in the judgment day. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now listen to me closely. I'm battling with my tongue, but I've come to see something. The battle's not up here. It's down here. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. God gave me this. Hope you appreciate it. I was praying this week. The heart is kind of like a basin. And whatever you think about a lot drips into that basin. Over a time period, everything that you think about a lot is going to drip into that basin, and it's going to fill the heart. Then whatever's in the heart is going to come out through your words. So what do you have to do? You have to go back to what you're thinking. For example, if you think of anger all the time, man, they did me wrong, you know, that ex-spouse of mine, man, I'm gonna get them, you know what, blah, 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 and you're thinking about it all the time, it's dripping into your heart. And then out of your heart comes your words. Lust, some of you guys are, and bless your heart, you gotta get out, you're on porn, you're all this stuff, you're thinking about women and women and whatever, whatever, that's dripping in your heart. Now your heart's full, and I can be around a guy for a few minutes, and I know where his mind's at, because he'll say, hey, man, did you see that lady just now? Woo, she was good looking. I go, I didn't notice. And I'm sure to go and tell my wife, he, the guy asked me today, and I said, I didn't even notice, man. You're the only one I notice. Take advantage of those times. But it'll come out in dirty jokes. It'll come out in innuendos. It, it's your mind. Change your thoughts, you'll change your heart. And if you change your heart, you'll change your words. But it starts with the mind, and a lot of that has to do with who you're hanging around with all the time. It has to do with what church you're attending. 
Don't tell me I can just choose any church because it's closed to the house. You better choose a church that God led you to and one that speaks the word of God and doesn't try to just be popular. You better choose the right church. I don't know who that's for today. You're shopping around. Hey, don't look for the church closest to your house. Don't look for the church. Look for the church where the word of God's coming forth. I got eight, nine more minutes to get all this out. Uh, Listen to me closely. You know why we study God's word? Why do we always say, be in a devotional group, read your word, read your word? Is it so you'll gain grounding points with God? No. If we don't study the word, we forget the word. Sometimes we'll be reading, confess your sins to one another. We go, duh, I don't know how long it's been since I confess sins. I got to get back to that. We read the word, it says pray about all things, ask God for wisdom, share your faith. You read verses, it says we're countercultural, that we're to praise God in trials, that we're to be thankful, that he hates grace. When we read this stuff, it reminds us, it keeps us in tune. And then you're successful. Because the world has such a grip on us and such an influence, we have to continue to go back into the word to remind ourselves about who we really are and about what really works. There's a reason for staying in the Word every day. It's not just brownie points with God. It goes way beyond that. Is all this coming together? Let me give you the last thing and we got to go home. Number two, use your words to influence your environment. Passage 2 Corinthians 2, 15 through 17. We are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we're an aroma from death to death. To the other, aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? For we're not like many peddling the word of God, but from sincerity of heart, just like it's from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. We're called to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. This passage says, then we go places with our testimonies and we pray and we're talking about God, To those people that aren't saved, they hate us. They don't want to hear it anymore. We're a fragrance of death to them. But to those who are being saved, we're refreshment and we're life. You're not to be a thermometer. You're to be a thermostat. A thermometer, what what does a thermometer do? A thermometer tells you the temperature in the room. A thermostat changes the temperature in the room. How can a thermostat change the temperature of the room? Because of the power it has behind it. It's hooked into another source. The thermometer's not. Now, our words have the power to affect our environment. I I use this for years, but I can give you many different facets of this illustration. Again, I was in a doctor's office one day, and a guy comes in. Everybody's real quiet, and they're kind of thinking their own world. He comes in, hey, how's everybody doing? This is the day the Lord has made, and I'll be glad and rejoice in it. It changed the whole environment of the room. Old Oak Ranch. We remember that, don't we? I was a speaker up there one year, and it, it was such a, such a defining moment. Every morning, I had a little cabin, the speaker's cabin on the hill. We're up there in the big redwoods, pines, beautiful. Every morning at 6 o'clock, over big loudspeakers, they'd crank radical praise and worship music. That's what you'd wake up to. You'd be asleep and you'd hear this radical praise of worship music going down over the mountain. And it felt so cool. I mean, it's like it was set in the environment for the whole day. I felt that God was in the air. 
Uh, every time we pray, we bring the power of God into the room. It changes the environment. This subject is way too important to be one and out with today. I'm going to end with these thoughts right here. God's trying to tell us something. We see it in all these different sermons. No man can tame the tongue. Can God do it? We can't. God wants every one of us to come to a place where we die to the flesh. We die to trying to do things our way. And we fully surrender to him. I asked God, how am I going to cure this tongue thing? He said, you really can't, but I can. you got to get up every day and ask me for help. And you'll have to do that every single day for the rest of your life. Do you understand that God says, love your enemies? He tells us all this crazy stuff, rejoice in trials. He tells us all this crazy stuff that we can't do. Because he, he wants to bring all of us to a place to where... He lives through us. He wants us to die to ourselves. Do, do you get it? Paul finally got to a place where he said, it's no longer that I who live, but Jesus who lives through me. He wants us to give up trying to do it ourselves. He wants us to come to him and say, God, if it's up to me, I will misuse the tongue today. But I need the Holy Spirit's help. And it'll make a magnificent, you know, change in the way your day goes. You'll still fall. But as Christians, what do we do? No perfect people, right? Constantly, I'm getting up and wiping the dirt off my pant legs going, God, that was a bad fall, man. And I confess my sins and I keep on going with him. It's a journey. Let's pray. Father God, the rest is going to have to be picked up next week. I just kind of started a conversation today about our tongue Take the seeds that I planted and do something with them, God. I, I planted seeds. Today, if you're here, you've never been born again. Lord, I give my life to you. Seven words today can change not only your life. It'll change your family's life. It'll change your kid's life, your friend's life. Seven words can change you change your whole world today. If you're here and you've never been born again, this is radical, so radical. All the stuff in the Bible is radical. What do you mean born again? You've come in here and you've lived your whole life without the Holy Spirit in your body. You're just, you're, you know, you pray. Your prayers don't get answered because God's not with you. Today you have, you have the potential of changing that. What do you have to do? Raise your hand and say, I give up God. He said, I, I will never reject anybody that comes to me. He said, never. And then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And this is crazy, too crazy to wrap your mind around. As we pray, the Holy Spirit from heaven is going to come into your body. And when you walk out of here, you're going to be a different person that, that you've ever been in your entire life. You'll go home with God in your body. If you're ready to give up and you're ready to repent, you're ready to start walking with God, you're ready to give up your ways, you, there's more to it. You've got to be willing to say, God, I'll start walking your ways with your strength. I'm tired of living the life I'm living. I want you to lift your hand up very boldly and unashamedly and say, Pastor Ron, it's me. I don't care. Raise it up high. Raise it up high. Raise it up high. Come on. They're going, whoa, they're going up. Oh, whoa, whoa. Going up all over the place. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where's Hector? Where's Pastor Hector?
Okay, Hector, we're going to go back. There's too many. If you raise your hand really a minute, could you do me a favor? I know, I know. You say, I, I got a family with me. Just tell them I'll be right back. And the Bible says, if you're not ashamed of me, I won't be ashamed of you. There's so many razor hands. Would you do me a favor? Would you get up and go back to Pastor Hector? He's going to lead you. He's going to make sure this takes. Just if you raise your hand, get up and go with him. Come on, take it all the way. Take it all the way. Come on, take it all the way. You see, you have, if you had the courage to raise your hand, tell the person next to you, I'll be right back, but I'll be different when I come back. I'll be different. When I come back, I'll be different. Lauren's got the flag back there. Come on, somebody else. You'll go, man, I, I don't want to miss out on this. Don't let what the person next to you think thinks. Don't let that stop you. This is a life-saving walk. Come on, come on. I'm, I'm pausing for a moment. Somebody's heart's beating faster. Go, should I, shouldn't I, should I? Just get up and the person next to you will push you. But I don't know if I'm ready. When are you going to be ready? You know how many people that have died, that if we took a microphone to where they said, well, I meant to. Anybody else want to get up right now? I'm going to pause for one more. Anybody else? Come on, come on. Where you at? Where you at? Where you at? Where you at? Somebody else? Come on. I'm waiting. Come on. Is there another person somewhere? Come on. Father God, whoever you're dealing with right now, I'm going to ask you to make their heart start beating so fast. They know they got to do it. They know they got to do it. They're going to stop fighting it right now, wherever they're at, wherever they're at. God bless you. There goes one right there. Did you know, from my estimation, we've had about 25 people right now come to the Lord in this service? And they're going to affect their families, their families' families, their friends. Hey, guess what I'm in with? First of all, I love you guys, and I'll see you here, there, or in the air. God bless. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our King. Here is our